And we're back, fuckers, with a vengeance. Yeah. I don't know what we're avenging, but we're something. Something needs avenging, and we're here for it. We are the Avengers. Um, We're back. It's been a little bit, hasn't it? Two weeks, right? I don't know. It feels Someone like longer. In the ballpark. Doesn't it feel like longer? It feels like longer, but I think we recorded something right before... Uh, or no, it was right before Jiu-Jitsu World League, so yeah, it's been close to three weeks now. Yeah, right? So we did, what, well, that was the 17th? Something like that, yeah. So I think we recorded probably on the 15th. More than likely. Uh, but it's been a little bit of time. Yeah. You know? Let's fill the listeners <laughs> in on what's been going on, man. Talk to, talk to us about your holidays. Yeah, holidays were good. My wife and I actually went out to Florida to go see my dad's side of the family. Yeah. Um, she'd actually never met them before. So she'd only met my dad so and my funny. grandma, but like my aunties, my cousins, like my uncles. You guys are fucking married. Hadn't met any of them. Well, like, not to be rude or nothing, but like it wasn't really important for her to meet them. You know, like they weren't a huge part of my life. Like I hardly saw them myself, you know, especially in like my high school years and my adult years. Like they never reach out to me. So it was like whatever you know but it was cool for her. it was still it was still cool for her to meet them it was really good to catch up with my brother i haven't talked with him in forever so it was nice to like chat with him and catch up and same with my cousins getting to see them and uh see what they're all doing how their lives are going so a lot of good stuff a lot of fun um but we were both pretty happy to be home you know we miss our friends we miss our our family here and we miss uh our pupper of course you know it's always hard to be away from mina for too long yeah I get, I can relate to um, not being around your dog for a long time. Yeah, I get separation anxiety probably more than my dog gets separation <laughs> anxiety. <laughs> we'll be at a room for like forty five minutes, and Chris is like, uh, "You know what, uh, guys? Dude, sorry, I gotta go." <laughs> I know, man. I'll be like, "It's funny. I actually think it's unhealthy uh, because I think it does prevent me from doing things sometimes." Like. Yeah. I like if somebody's like, Hey, like, let's go do this this weekend. Like for instance, like this weekend I'm going to the beer fest in San Diego Yeah, and I'm all, I was almost like, Oh man. But like, I don't know how about like leaving Kai that long. Yeah. And like, luckily, like I know you guys are going to be around. I can also, I have some neighbors. Like it, it is nice to know that I have some support, but it's still like one of those things where like, it's my responsibility. It's my dog. Like it's, it, it's, I, I like, I know how she needs me just as I need her. It's just like those things. It's like, I think it's like any parent, right? Well, I mean, like with dogs are pack animals, right? So like we, like you're able to form a very deep bond with a dog, and like that's not just for the dog, but for the person as well. Like you're able to form these connections and bonds. Humans and dogs are pack animals, so like it makes sense. I mean, especially with how long you've had Kai, you've had her since she was a puppy. You know, you've raised her from a little pup to who she is now. Like you want to be around her. It makes sense. Yeah, she's the best. So All right, I have an important question: How yeah. many times do you use the same towel? Oh After god! You saw you saw that clip too. Before you wash it, I have two on rotation. So, like, there's one towel that like you know ready to go, dry off, and I rotate the other one over, hang the other one up. So I use the rotation of two for about a week, and then okay. I wash them. So okay, so that's generally speaking the, my my rule of thumb. And it, mostly I do that now because like workouts in the morning and the jujitsu in the afternoon. Yeah, kind of helps keep the towels fresh in between. Huh. Yeah, mine's much longer. We're not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I It used I, to be way longer. To be I fair, just, it was way longer before I met Rihanna. It was way, way longer. Well, here's the thing. I'm drying my clean body off. I agree. 
It's not like I'm using my towel to clean my dirty body. Yeah. I'm I'm just drying my clean body off and as long as I give my towel adequate enough time or the ability to dry, yeah. right? It doesn't smell bad. I think I'll I think I'll use my towel until it starts to kind of smell bad. Yeah, you get that little that little wet towel funk to it and you're a little like, musty right. and I'm yeah. like, "All right, well, all right, three weeks later, it's about time to it's get a new t- towel. <laughs> All right. Three weeks might be an exaggeration, under exaggeration. It might be a mask. <laughs> it might uh, be significantly longer, but we're not going to get into that. You know, it's funny because I, I think I saw that clip and I was actually, uh, I think I've had my same towel at least two weeks. Yeah. At least. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe wash your towels a little more frequently, but that's all I got for you. Maybe, but like, why? Just weekly. You know... Have Just you, to get the, the have you seen the episode of New Girl? What have you seen the episode of New Girl? Probably not. Okay, so this is this is the best episode of New Girls, one of the best. So Schmidt, uh, there's very few good episodes, so I don't doubt you're it. fucking lying. <laughs> um, you're an idiot. The fact that you say that pisses me off, and like we're gonna have to stop. This might be our last episode ever. <laughs> yeah, everybody. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> so in this episode, Schmidt takes a shower, okay, and gets out of the shower, and his his towel's wet. Mm-hmm. And he thinks it's because there's too many people showering. Like, there's too many people in the house. Isn't it like Nick was using it? Nick was yeah, using yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, I've seen that one. And, like, and Schmidt, he, like, flips out. Yeah, he goes, what do you mean you're using my towel? He I goes, thought it was a communal towel. He goes, you never wash your towel? He goes, no, why would I wash your towel? It washes me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, that it's, was a good a great, bit. it's a great clip. That was, that was actually a great bit from the show. Yeah, it's good. Um, So do you want to talk about, first of all, Talk about your holidays. Talk about you know your teeth getting pulled out of your face. Okay, so this I thought you were an active listen. I thought you were going to jump right into. it. I was like, okay, motherfucker. I asked no, you I was, your, no, no. Okay. Well, I tried to ask you earlier, but then you asked me a question before I could ask you a question. So like, my I got, question, I got sidetracked. More important. I don't think so. But anyways, yeah. Um, so anyways, here we are. Part of the other reason we were All right, distracted. Question. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the other reason we were not recording was because Chris got teeth removed from his face. If you want to tell us about that experience and how that went, you know, the month of December was kind of weird. Yeah. All right. So the first or second week of December, I you know, I got sick. I got the flu. Yeah. I was out of commission for like 10 days. Which, for those of you who don't know Chris, that's really weird. Like, yeah. Chris is not a guy that gets sick very often. No. And I was like deathbed. Yeah. Never been more sick. Um, but so that that happened. Fast forward. And then the following week, we uh, we recorded. And then that weekend, we, we went to Jiu-Jitsu World League, which we're going to chat about today. Um, but then the week after that, I was. I actually had my wisdom teeth scheduled to be removed today, oh boy. on January fourth. Oh, that's right. You got it moved up. Yeah, and I, I had um, let them know. I said, "Hey, if anything comes available after the twentieth of December, I want it." So she calls me the week before the twentieth. So call like the eighteenth, and was like, "Hey, we have we had a cancellation on the twenty first of December. Do you want it?" And at first, I initially was like, "Yes." But in my head, I was like, okay, let me just confirm, blah, 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 make sure everything and make sure Nick could pick me up, all this stuff. And so then I was like, okay, cool, I'm, I'll, I'll do it. And I had a little bit of anxiety leading up to it. You know, obviously, like, I uh, just as I was getting or before that call happened, I was talking to my VP. We had to connect and we were talking. He had recently gotten um, his Achilles tendon repaired. Whew. And so he was saying that, like, they sedated him. They like put, put the, um, you know, like he was going to go under anesthesia. And as he was falling asleep, he goes, I wasn't all the way asleep. And they pulled out the needle for the block. And he goes, the needle was like this long. Oh, and for those of you guys that are just uh, listening and not watching, it's like he, 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 he gave me like a foot long, a foot long needle. And he goes, I saw it. 
and I felt them put it into my knee and then I felt nothing else. And then I just woke up. And so, and I've had surgery before that didn't have that problem. But so obviously hearing that and then getting ready to go into this wisdom tea thing, I was like, okay. So the they worst, told the me. The worst part is I, fuck, I hate needles. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Me, me too. I'm not a big fan of them. Um, so with wisdom teeth, what they do is they do something. They do this thing, thing called IV sedation, which is not anesthesia. There is an okay. anesthesia option, mm-hmm. right? But depends on the, your dentist and the opera, blah, blah, blah. But it's IV sedation. And so I was like, okay, well, what the fuck is IV sedation? Does that just mean like I'm going to be like sitting there, can't move, but feel everything? Because there's this dog medicine that's like a sedative <laughs> that they're just like still there like mentally, but like they can't move. Yeah. Like that's terrifying. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, fuck. Let me do some research. Let me figure this shit out. <laughs> and so everything that I read and then not only the things that I found on the internet, it's like, okay, cool. Not only is IV sedation like just before anesthesia, but there's like three levels to IV sedation. There's okay. like weak, medium, strong. <laughs> And it's like, so I was like, okay, like whatever. I'm like, I'm assuming it's going to, I'm going to get like the deep one, whatever. And so I get to my dentist and I'm asking, I'm like, okay, so tell me what is IV sedation compared to like anesthesia? He goes, well, when you're in anesthesia, it's like you're in a coma. He goes, when you do an IV sedation, like what we're going to do is going to be like a very deep sleep. And essentially what that means is like, if you're sleeping and it's been a long day and you're knocked out and somebody like rubs your nose, you may move away from it, but you're not going to wake up. You're not going to remember somebody touching your nose. Yeah. That's essentially what, what you're going to be in at the IV sedation. Needless to say, long story short, puts the IV in my arm, hits me with the fucking sedation. The next thing I know, like 30 seconds later, I'd like getting warm and fuzzy. And 30 seconds later, I'm, I'm awake. Yeah. Like after everything was happening. So anywho, uh, the process of the surgery, very easy, simple, straightforward piece of cake do it 10 times 10 10 times again yeah. now i won't do it 10 times again because first of all moral of this story i'm gonna fast i'm gonna do this thing where i start at the end and get you know yeah, yeah, we're, moral we're, of this story is don't do things that you can do when you're younger when you're older yeah um right. that require recovery because everything that i read everything that i looked at online again i i was like hey, let me just figure out what, what i'm what i'm in for Five days, seven days, tops. Get your wit from the day that you get your wisdom teeth removed, you'll be ready to rock and roll. You'll be talking like normal. Most of the swelling will be gone, no pain. Blah. Anyways, spoiler alert. That wasn't the case for me. <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, it wasn't Chris, the case Chris for was me. In pain. <laughs> I was in fucking pain. Like almost like increasing pain after like day two. It just increasingly got worse until like day seven. Like I slept maybe like a a, a, a accumulation of like three to five hours each night maybe and like my body like knew when it was time to take medicine like every three hours because it was like yo bitch wake the fuck up put some medicine in your body um yeah so it was actually like a really miserable recovery i actually lost 12 pounds so it's funny because before i got sick with the flu i was 189 yeah got sick with the flu lost about almost like 10 pounds yeah. Got down to 179, made way for jujitsu piece yeah. of cake. <laughs> so say that that was that was a slight benefit. Yeah, slight you, benefit. You did get to lose a weight easy. You know, we're gonna get we're gonna get into this jujitsu tournament and things like that. But then the following week got my wisdom teeth out. I lost twelve pounds over ten days. I was down to one sixty eight at one point. That's that's so thin. Dude, I can't even tell you. I looked ill. Like like I had like no underboob. Like, I, I always no have underboob under at this point. <laughs> no underboob. I looked like you know Captain America First Avenger? 
Yeah. You know, his body double, that was me. <laughs> I literally, that was, they couldn't use me for that movie. But you're too tall, though. They could have just used my torso. <laughs> they could have pieced together a couple pieces of humans. couple Somebody else's legs, my torso, Steve's head. But even, like, even thin and ill, you were still, like, too muscular to be that version of cap no i'm yeah. telling you, yes, my, you no, my, my you didn't see my torso at its at, at its like weakest I like still doubt you were no man i'm telling that. you like, like december like 30th i was like i looked at myself in the mirror and i was like get this man a fucking cheeseburger <laughs> like and i still couldn't eat one. Some, somebody get this man a sandwich dude something right now <laughs> But um, it was so nice on New Year's Eve when you guys were all over, and it was my first time in, like, 10 days that I didn't eat something that was mushed, mashed, blended, or pudding. Yeah. You had actual pizza and were able to eat food. Yeah. Like, I mean, it still was painful and still, like, you know, was uncomfortable, but I just did it. And then, yeah, it was good. Good, man. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that was that was a rough recovery for you, but I'm happy you're on, like, the, the longer end I'm, like, of it now. I'm still recovering. Oh, There's still, like, fucking holes in my mouth. I know. <laughs> It's January 4th. Got this on the 21st. Um, anyways, the good news is, so is you, I you, think I sold my dentist payroll. So that'll be <laughs> so you positive. So you don't have the Avengers regen abilities? Uh, I mean, I have probably Tony's regen abilities. So. Well, I was going to say, this is probably how like, Tony or, or like Batman feel after a big fight. All the other superheroes <laughs> are like, yeah, I feel fine in like an hour. And they're like, fuck you guys. <laughs> you know what's also so funny? I was thinking about... Um, I saw. I noticed this when I was watching the first Avengers. I was rewatching that the other day, and when like it shows Tony, you know, it shows him like an inside of the suit. Yeah. Like as the movie goes on, it looks like he got beat up. Yeah. Inside the suit. Well, I feel like you still would a little bit. Cause no, like, but it looks like he got punched in the face, or he has rug burn on his face. Like it looked like he was like in a in a fist fight, right? Yeah. It was getting fucking beat up. But like, if you look at his suit, it looks like. Yeah, because you would you would think he might have like bruises. Yeah, not like lesions or like scratches or abrasions, like, or like, and like the suit would be dented. Yeah, where he was, but like it's it doesn't even happen. And so I just like I, it's so funny. I, I I made that like um that conscientious like thought the other day when I was watching. I was like, wait a minute. Well, no, now that you said it, I'm like I'm remembering back to first uh, the first Avengers movie when he's taking that rocket up into the wormhole. Yeah, he's got like a cut on the front of his nose right here. He's got like a black eye, and I'm like, and he's scraped on his forehead. Yeah. I'm like, you're in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get it. It's not like you got punched in the face. Anyways, it's uh it's it's a I good can't, I can't watch Avengers anymore. It's a good attempt to <laughs> to show that Tony's in the fight. Yeah. Yeah. No, just, I like you know. that. That's a cool touch, but that's yeah. now you just ruined thanks for Dude, did that you see me. what happened with um Hawkeye? No. The so, actor or Yeah, like, the actor. I it's like Renner. I don't yeah, know. His Jeremy name. Renner. Jeremy Renner. So he um recently so what he does in his in his home, I I think it's like upstate New York or or somewhere where it gets a lot of snow. He always plows his neighborhood. Yeah. Like with some sort of snow plow. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he plows all the neighbors. So, yeah. So <laughs> somehow, some way, he ended up getting stuck underneath the snow plow and got shredded up. All, like He might lose his leg. Really? Yeah. He's like, he was in like critical condition and like he got chopped up. And I did read something somewhere that was saying that snow plows, they're supposed to have some sort of like safety mechanism that prevents this type of injury yeah and the fact that it happened like they're thinking that it could be some sort of like malfunction in the design damn but, yeah he got fucked up like we may never see him again in hawkeye well i think his contract was up anyways yeah but they were <laughs> you know they were 
Secret Wars coming out. Um, there yeah. was another project with Hawkeye. Um, the the show. But you could use like a beat up old cripple Hawkeye. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, you got to figure out how to write awesome. the story of him of you him getting beat up. Maybe not current Marvel, but they can figure it out. Current Marvel's fine. Yeah. It's okay. We won't get that. Fine. We won't get that right now. It's too long they're, of a conversation to get they're to. They're fine. Okay. They're in phase one, just where they were when they were. I said, well, we will out. table this conversation for another time. <laughs> That will go down a whole rabbit hole. Harry Potter is the superior show over Lord Oh, of the Jesus Christ. We're also not getting to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so just anyway. saying the vote one. Yeah, but you also put on yours. There's a bit of a bias there. We'll put on the Hang On For Dear Life one and see what happens. Anyways, before we get too sidetracked again, I don't know. I'm going to retrack us here. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is an important topic here. No, nah, but, but this can be a whole, whole conversation. So here's the question. Oh, boy. You get a billion dollars every day. I'm not, no. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, with today's episode, what we're really going to focus on is um, we had one of our um, avid listeners. We're going to say avid listeners. Yeah. Um, reach out to us and say, Hey, look, I have a, a, an episode suggestion. And it's funny because we were already throwing this idea around. So it just mm-hmm. kind of was like the, the, the rock that, you know, or the, the, the smash that made the wheel. Um, and we said, okay, let's do it. The and straw that broke the camel's back. There's so many other like euphemisms or like phrases or colloquialisms you could have used. And the, the rock that smashed for the, the wheel. No, the last smash that made the wheel, the last smash that made the wheel, you know, like when they were like, I've oh. never heard that. If you'd make that up on the spot. I mean, it's probably not the right one, but it's like when it, it's it's that old um, proverb or something that it was like, you know, there it took a hundred like there was a hundred hits on with the stone with the chisel, uh-huh. and the hundred and first hit is what made the wheel, but it's not the hundred and first hit that made the wheel. It's all hundred before that gave way to the hundred and first making the wheel. Oh, I guess no, it makes sense. It checks out. Yeah, but it's again, I, I really fucked it up. Um, I think I mushed like again. I, my my brain is on mashed blended or pudding. So yeah, um, that was uh, the the culmination of my brain doing the things yeah, that make that's fair. P- people think stuff. Um, so, anyways, the straw that broke the camel's back. But that that's not it either. That one that one work for what we're talking about because we were already talking about it. But what it really did was solidify us talking about it. Fair, okay. Right? No, no, I'm not saying your expression was bad. I just never heard it before. No, no, no. And it, I'm it not was... saying that your expression wasn't good. It was just wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, we were throwing this idea around. We're like, look, you know, we are, we started jujitsu sometime in August. Four months um, now. About, we're, we're, we're hitting that four month mark. Um, it was something that him and I, you know, Daniel and I both kind of, so actually I'm not going to say that. Anyways, we started about, August. Um, so we were like, okay, let's talk about our journey so far. Let's talk about how we decided to do it. What led us to where we were. And then we also want to hit a recap of, um, jujitsu world league that we, we, we both competed in December. Um, I think that we both have some great takeaways. I think we both learned a lot. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, and so I think that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're about to develop an origin story. Origin stories. So, Chris, what I've got done you? a lot of talking. Let's let's. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just been talking shit. No, so, okay. Daniel, yeah. talk to us a little bit about jujitsu, man. Like, why did you get into it? How did you get started? Let's first talk about what piqued your interest way back in the day. Sure. I mean, if we want to go back to like really the beginning of where I got interested in jujitsu was uh, high <clears throat> school. Origin story. Yeah. Origin so story. the right beginning. Yeah, right the beginning. So, okay. um, for me, it started in high school because I played basketball in high school. And it was in the same season as wrestling. 
and I really wanted to wrestle. Like I, I was very interested in like grappling martial arts way, way back in the day. Confused so high school Daniel would want to wrestle. No, not for that reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got that in the reg, man. That was just a that was just a Tuesday night. But anyways. Oh, so it wasn't um, like you were exploring. You just I got it. No, no, I just wanted a, a place where it was allowed for me to grab other men. Forcefully. That was my joke. Yeah. Okay. But I just made my I made it funnier. Uh, oh. oh okay. <laughs> Classic. That makes sense. You anyway. can make things more funny. No, I don't. Than I do. Oh, there it is. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> anyways, but yeah. So I, I wanted to wrestle really bad. I really wanted to get into it, but I just because basketball was same season, didn't have the time to. Um, the wrestling coach was like, "We'll just come to wrestling after you're done with basketball." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I had a bunch of cardio as a kid, but like, goodness, two of them from no way, not possible. Anyways, um, so get out of high school, and I was still interested in doing MMA. I was interested in jujitsu, striking, all the stuff. I wanted, I wanted to learn it all. And then being 18 years old, working a part time job, and seeing. Um, how much it costs monthly for a, for a typical fight gym, jujitsu, you know, gym, those kinds of places, you know, it was upwards of a hundred, 150 bucks a month, you know, 18 year old Daniel could not afford that. And so I just didn't do it. And fast forward years go by. I still watch UFC and, you know, I watch MMA, martial arts, you know, I watch Bellator, I watch the you know pro fight league, stuff like that. And I was just, I never lost my interest for martial arts. And then it was sometime midway this year. I was like, you know what? Like, I really need to start looking into um, a gym that trains jujitsu or kickboxing or Muay Thai or whatever and just start start this journey. Because I've been thinking about it for 10 plus years. And I just need to jump in and to start doing something about it. So I think it was like a mid middle of August. I was like, fuck it. I, I started Googling around. Saw North Coast was right down the street from the house. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go walk in there go check it out and see what happens. And I actually ended up sitting next to uh Tomito who looked like Tom Segura. And, uh, you know, he, he was sitting down he's, he was, I think he was injured at the time, but he was just kind of watching and he goes, Oh, you thinking about signing up? I was like, yeah, I was like, I've never done jujitsu before. I'm just really curious, you know, don't really know what to do and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, he's like, you know, talk to Jake afterwards when he's done instructing. I said, okay, cool. So hung around for the rest of class observed watched and then jake came over afterwards got to talk to jake obviously jake's really cool very very calm guy and so we kind of had some conversations he said hey come for come next week try a couple classes tell me what you think and he's like if you like it you can sign up if you don't like it no hard feelings so great and then that's when i hit you up to join me in that adventure and you know here we are here we are that's kind of the origin for me at least that's that's where jujitsu started for young daniel Young Daniel, mm-hmm. way back in the day. Way back in the day. So, <clears throat> what about you, Chris? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, glad you came up with that one on your own. So, <laughs> I'm just sassy today, dude. Don't worry. Jesus, I know. <laughs> Don't worry. Golly. Um, Who peed in your Cheerios today? <laughs> nobody good. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> nobody that would want to. I mean, <laughs> we're not going to get that different conversation. Um you may or may not be into it. I don't know. I guess you don't really know until you try something. Anyways. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't think I'm into it either. So anyways, Jiu-Jitsu, how'd you get started? Origin story. Ready, go. Yeah, I'm not into it. <laughs> I, I've played all the different scenarios in my head. I'm not into it. Um, jiu-Jitsu, origin story. I mean, look, I, I think um, I – it's funny. I, I When I was – shoot, man. I don't know how old I was. I was, like, real young. I was living in Klamath Falls, Oregon. I met this kid, and he wrestled. I was probably 
fifth grade and i met some kid he wrestled i was like oh like that would be cool and again i'm like i'm I'm poor i come from like very humble <laughs> humble beginnings yeah. um and so i'm like okay like um I, I figured out a way that they were able to let me to go try one of these tournaments i don't know so i did one wrestling tournament with like one like one wrestling practice when i was like fifth grade got the singlet and everything weighed in and i, I think i did terrible i don't know um but that was like my first experience or exposure to martial arts to some sort of contact sport um then fast forward i mean it never was like another thought on my brain like i never thought okay i want to wrestle yeah um I got into high school, played football. I actually played basketball during the same season, right? And then, um, so I, I never was able to wrestle. And I did have the coach and a couple, like, the players, or the players, the people who wrestle on the Competitors? wrestling Yeah, what do you call them, players? I don't know, the wrestling teams. People on the wrestling well, I team. Well, I know in jiu-jitsu they've been making the term common for jiu-jitsu players. Like, they're jiu-jitsu players so it's a game it's a match it's interesting a, so I, I don't know maybe but i think they're just wrestlers or they're just competitors yeah so i had a couple of the other you know there's there's one or two kids that were on my football team and then like a handful of them that you know just wrestled and were like hey you should come wrestle and i said hey no <laughs> not a chance i mean you guys do weird stuff in the locker room you tell me all the time like you guys it's just not my scene i don't think i was as comfortable with my sexuality back then as well but Man, they were doing. They were dude, the stories that I heard about the wrestling team. Hard pass. Hard that, pass. And like, I wasn't trying to cut weight. I also didn't want to have to go to. I didn't want to have to go to wrestling practice before school. I'm already not the best morning person. So to say that I have to get up at school in high school at 5 a.m. to go to fucking wrestling practice and then cut weight. Like not a chance. In fucking high school, not a fucking chance. <laughs> I'm already too small for football. How are you gonna tell me that I need to fucking lose weight anyway? So. Not a thought in my mind. And then probably didn't, didn't cross my mind throughout college. And it wasn't until I was probably 22, 23. And I was like, dude, like I want to, I'm not playing sports anymore. I'm not playing football. I'm not playing basketball, like not doing any of these things. And I want something to, to really feed that competitive desire and need that I have inside me. And at the time I was listening to a lot of Joe Rogan. Yeah. Um, and obviously he advocate advocates heavily, um, for jujitsu. Um, he's actually an older dude as well. Right. I mean, so being able to see that, you know, he's still actively, you know, participating in jujitsu at, you know, more, I think he's like over 55. I, I don't know how 58. Yeah. I mean, he's over 55, right. He's actively competing. He's it's, he still can. That was something in my mind. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Joe Rogan like loves it or whatever, but what really did it for me is like, not only do I respect his opinion, but it was like the fact he's 58 and he's still actively competing or actively, you know, participating in this sport. And for me, that was like, oh shit, I can do this for a very long time. Yeah. It's something that can be done for over your life. Yeah. That's something that like can feed that desire for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so at that time I was like, I'm going to go. And I was working at the gym and I, and I met somebody who said, Hey, um, you should go to this gym. I'm not going to name the gym cause I don't want to knock any gyms, but he's like, Hey, this is where I trained. You'll love it. And so I show up to this gym and it was mostly a no, there was no gi. So yeah. it was all no gi. And then I also had one of the things that was attractive to me was it was like a, an MMA type gym. Right. So like I could do striking, I could do Muay Thai, 
Um, they had wrestling classes. They had everything to where like, hey, if I wanted to ever jump in a cage match or anything like that, that I had the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did any of those other classes. And honestly, I went to like a handful of jujitsu classes. They were early in the morning. So that was already something I wasn't a big fan of because I had to do it before work because my schedule was different. Yeah. Um, but so the morning classes were okay. But then the few evening classes that I went to at that gym specifically was where I was really like, okay, maybe like I, I just didn't like the school. Mm-hmm. Um, people were showing up like, you know, drunk or high, not really drunk, probably more high than anything. And like, look to each their own. I mean, if you like, I, I mean, I've, I've gotten high a couple of times, went and worked out and had some great workouts, but when you're too high to function, right. Or you're a little too high to where like, you're like 45 seconds behind everything yeah. or you're trying to explain something and it takes you enough time. It takes you the same amount of time to explain it that we had to drill and now I can't practice it. Yeah. Like that does me no good. And me being newer, I needed to be somewhere that had the opportunity to, you know, if I had questions or the people that I was working with or dealing with could actually like help me. Yeah. Um, so that was probably in what we're in 2023. I mean, technically started in 2020. That was probably in like 2020 um, yeah. when that, that happened. And I, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to go here anymore. So I ended up uh, pulling my membership and it wasn't until, you know, back in August. And again, I, I floated the idea around. I mean, I love, I loved watching, I love watching the UFC I love the idea and I, it was something that I still wanted to com, you know, do completely. And then, you know, obviously with my work, my relationship at the time, there's a lot of things that were, were taking a lot of my time, right. Or requesting or requiring a lot of my time that I didn't have the ability to do the other classes yeah, um, or to find something new again. And once I've had a couple of changes in profession and changes in my personal life, um, it really kind of started, you know, eating at me again. It's like, okay, what could I do to be competitive? What can I do to be competitive? And like jujitsu was always that thing that was like, just there. Like, yeah. Oh, you should just do that. Just do that. Just do that. And so, um, you know, it's funny because actually you, the first time that you told me about North coast, um, I, it's funny. I was like, oh, I don't know, man. And, and the reason I, and I had no, I had no reason to say that. Cause it wasn't like I looked it up. It wasn't anything, but it wasn't, it wasn't my idea. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'm, I, I want to find something that's my own idea. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, such a stupid way to look at things, right? <laughs> and I think that, you know, um, that's something that I, I think that people do, whether they want to admit it or not, is, like, they they don't want to do something or try something because it wasn't their idea or somebody else suggested it. And, you know, obviously I got past it, right, or obviously whatever, and, and it couldn't have been a better decision because now, you know, um, I feel so humbled to, to be at the, the academy that we are. Absolutely. Uh, North Coast, you know, just is, has been an outstanding um, addition to my life, right? Because at the time I was going through some transitions personally, and I think it was like something that really filled like kind of that gap for me in terms of like the time and my evenings and um, filled it with like really positive people and with a really positive outlet. And it was like, you know, this feeling that I had been chasing for a long time, you know, when I was in college – I, I, I turned to bodybuilding once football was no longer an opportunity. And when I was working out in the gym, nothing else mattered, right? Like it was great. Cause as soon as I turned my headphones on, I walked in the gym and I started warming up. Like it's like the world just kind of shut off around me. And like, it just happened automatically. I didn't, I, I, it wasn't something that I intensively I intentionally did. It just happened. And yeah. that was something that was so like relaxing. That was so, you know, um, grounding for me that when I was able to do that so regularly, like it helped every other area of my life. And, you know, as I kind of grew and evolved and like different priorities, that feeling just kind of like, I I lost that feeling for the gym. Yeah. And so, you know, that was back in like 
probably 2018 and I had been looking and searching for that feeling again. And I think now being in North coast doing jujitsu and being consistent and like those, those three nights a week that I'm doing jujitsu, like I'm finding that feeling again. Right. And so it's, it's, you can't think about anything else other than the mats. It's you, your partner, the mats. That's it. Yeah. Time for. And it's like, it's, it's not even the fact that like, I can't, it's, I don't want to, right. Like, like it's nothing else like can penetrate what like my, my mind at the time, like, like I don't, I don't, like, I'm not worried about work. I'm not worried about my dog. I'm not worried about anybody else, anything else. I, I the world could be ending and it wouldn't matter because in that moment, like the only thing that matters is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not because like it's twofold, right? Sure. If I, if I do try to think about anything else, I'm going to get put into a pretzel. <laughs> right. But also like, it's not because that I'm fearing that I'm going to be put in a pretzel. Yeah. So it's like this weird area like this yin and like this yo-yo this line that i'm skating in like this weird area of nirvana between like like i don't want to die so that's one reason but also like it just it just happens right and i think yeah. that you know only really training jiu-jitsu three nights a week and you know i could and sometimes i do four days and sometimes i do five days right and like because i go on saturday sunday it just depends on how my body's feeling but like not being able to do really more than that like i'm now searching for like other outlets as well like whether that be the gym and stuff like that again but that's a different conversation so that's kind of like my origin story right that's kind of like how i ended up you know got to jujitsu and i think that you know finding the right school like there's one thing or one piece of advice that i could give somebody that is listening that's thinking about you know starting jujitsu or or going on that journey or you know unsure if that's like the you know they want to they want to dip their toes in i think the most important thing that you can do is find the academy that's right for you, right? Have an understanding of what you need to be successful. Mm-hmm. Have an understanding of what you need to feel comfortable and then don't settle at it to an academy that doesn't make you feel that way. And that doesn't give you those resources because jujitsu is such a, such a like intensive, dangerous, like fun, exciting sport that like, if you don't have the right tribe and the right people around you doing it as well, um, you really lose a lot of those things that make it so great. I a hundred percent agree. I couldn't agree more. And that, that was the thing that that first class I went and observed that I really saw was that from white belt to brown belt to black belt, like to the highest levels of, of the gym, people there were willing to help. Like it was, it was a culture of like, Hey, we're going to go at it. We're going to battle on these mats. But at the end of the day, you're still my brother and we're here to grow together. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, behoove me to just smash you into the ground all day long if i'm not teaching you how to get past these smashes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. or like whatever the move is or whatever whatever you're getting stuck on there was that constant learning and growing and like the phrase iron sharpens iron is is one of the truest phrases that i think has ever existed and being in that environment i really feel like we're in a situation where we are literally sharpening ourselves against these guys every day we're in there we're working and it provides a ton of opportunity for growth and like similarly to you where there was nothing really feeding my competitive edge anymore. And I felt that seep in the rest of my life. I stopped going to the gym. I stopped caring about my diet. Like I just, I got pretty overweight for my own standards. Like, um, you know, I'm still hovering around like two fifteen, and that's just too heavy. Like I'm not, I'm not that big of a guy naturally. So it's like doing jujitsu, having that competitive edge back has helped refocus my life in a lot of other positive aspects as well. And a lot of that stems from the gym we attend, the academy we attend, and the, the guys that are there 
um, the professor Jake, you know, there's just a ton of people in there that are, that are awesome that, that do a lot of really good stuff for that school that I think will help continue this practice, you know, moving forward for us. Yeah. And I think that, you know, um, I was reading something the other day about like jujitsu and it being like the, one of the oldest forms of martial arts. Right. And almost every single academy and lineage from like can be traced back to four different like original black belts. Yeah. Um, like four different lineages. Um, and obviously Jake comes from one of those lineages. Um, but it's, it's such a, that's such a, that's such a like baffling, like statement, right? It's such a baffling idea that, you know, now more than ever, jujitsu is so much, so more, like much more popular than it's ever been. But, you know, seeing that, like, again, if you trace every single black belt out there, you can trace it back to one of these four lineages or like one of these four different schools. And that's, 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 that's insane. Right. I don't yeah. think there's very many things in life that, yeah, that you can say that. Right. And I think that by, by that being the source of truth, it's one of those things where, you know, everybody that competes or everybody that, you know, participates in jujitsu is part of like something. So, so like, big right something so genuine something so organic something so old Mm -hmm. and it's like uh it's a it's a really surreal feeling knowing that like you know my goal is i want to become a black belt yeah right and then my lineage is going to be traced back to jake and then jake back to his and then so on and so forth and like that's just such a, a crazy uh crazy concept when i when i think about things right because there's very few things nowadays that isn't diluted or you know so fractured that you know it can be traced back to like a single point yeah and i think a lot of that has to do with the inherent spirit of the sport right like a lot of the things that are fractured or discombobulated or whatever i feel like they're they're there's a lot of phonies out there right a lot of things that fake it and you can't you can't fake jujitsu Right, you can't you can't fake it on the mat. You can't fake be good at this stuff. Like you can't because you have those those weird little martial arts schools that are like, this will defend you against anything, and it's like no, it won't. But you know, you get into a spot like jujitsu, like you're only going to carry a lineage forward if you're good at it and you've actually learned the fundamentals of the sport and understand how to transpose those fundamentals onto other people, right? And I think that I think that's that's huge, and so it doesn't allow for the fakeness it doesn't allow for half-hearted attempts it doesn't allow for you know half in half out you have to be in it and if it to carry that far right like if you go that far with it mm-hmm. so because i'm also not saying like if you're someone that goes once or twice a week just because you want to learn some self-defense stuff and stay in shape like that's great you're a piece of shit no that's great you should continue to do that it's phenomenal but like if you're someone that goes three to five times a week and you're consistently competing like you can't be fake about it. You have, you have to be involved in it. Yeah. I think you said something, two things there that really stood out to me. Right. I think the first thing is, is like, um, you know, you have to be good at it. And I, and I, and while to be able to be a black belt and I, and I think again, and I, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but something that I, that I find so fascinating about jujitsu is it's not about being good. It's about being consistent, right? Like the thing about jujitsu is like, you know, it, some people can get their black belt in five years, right? Some people takes 20 years. And, and the best part is, is both those people got black belts. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. But one of those people, and maybe that person that only took five years was fucking good. Yeah. And just naturally figured it out and was a killer and just was just absorbed everything so quickly and was a quick learner and he was an athlete, all these different things. And maybe that person that took 20 years was, you know, uh, fucking a dad of three kids who's an accountant, never played a sport in his life. Yeah. But he still has a fucking black belt. Yeah. And like, and that's still more dangerous than 95% of people that exist on this planet. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and, but, but again, I, and I really do think the beauty of it is like, dangerous not dangerous skilled not skilled athletic not athletic all these different it doesn't fucking matter like if you just show up and you get to the mats every day you know three times a week or you commit to whatever you you can like you you can yeah just as anybody else can be a fucking black belt yeah right and being becoming a black belt isn't necessarily how good you are it's about how consistent how determined, how disciplined you are mm-hmm. to be consistent, to show up when you're in pain, right? to show up when you're uncomfortable, to show up when you're hurt, to show up when you're tired, right? Mm-hmm. To When that little voice in your head says, don't go to jiu-jitsu today. Yeah. And you have the discipline to say, no, fuck you, I'm going. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I think that, you know, at our, at our academy, right, you know, on our wall, it says you can't teach heart. And I think that's like one of – it's so – fascinating so great about you know not only our academy but about jujitsu right it's not about skill it's not about how good you are it's about how much heart you have right and heart being like what's going to get you to the gym what's going to get you consistent what's going to get you to show up on the days that you don't want to show up all these different things like that is what's so incredibly inspiring about this sport and even more you know amazing the fact that all these lineages for the most part can be traced yeah. Right. Because again, like it, it, it's not, it's not a skill thing necessarily. Sure. In order for you to have the black belt, you have to have accomplished a certain set of skills, but those skills, everybody can accomplish them, but some people will accomplish them a little bit quicker than others. And some people will take a little bit longer, but if you're consistent, you show up every day and you're at a good Academy and you're at a good school, you will get there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the first thing that I wanted to touch on that you said. Right. And I think the second thing is, is you can't fake a black belt, right? You can't, you can't fake. <laughs> and, and I think that's just so funny because I, I was uh, listening to a podcast with Rogan. I, I was, this was a while ago, but um, he remembers that there was some guy at his, one of his, one of his schools that said he was a black belt and he did such a great job. It, it, he goes, it was like probably seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months after we realized there's no fucking way this guy's a black belt. Yeah. And he goes, you know, we used to roll with him and sometimes he would do okay. Like he would do pretty good. Like, but it wasn't like a consistency and there would always be things that he would get stuck in or all these different things that you're like, man, like that doesn't seem like a black belt. He goes, he used to come and hang out with us. He had all this whole story. He created his own lineage and traced it back to where it was like, Oh my God. He goes, but then like one day, I don't know what it was. He goes like, we were, we were rolling or whatever. And I, and, and I just, I clicked. I said, where did you get your black belt? Yeah. Like how long have you been a black, all these different things. And, and, and through that, that like that navigation, that conversation, he found out that he wasn't actually a black belt. So that's a wild. Anyways, and then, uh, but again, to your point, like you can't fake it. Right. And I think that nor should you try, I think it's just so disrespectful to, you know, the select few that actually make that accomplishment. Right. Like becoming a black belt is like, it's not an easy fret. Like, right. Like it can take five years. It can take 10 years. It can take 20 years. Right. So like when you actually get there and you actually achieve it, like the other night during our promotions to see one of our Brown belts, get that promotion like, that was so fucking cool man it's like <laughs> that was one of the coolest things i've ever witnessed like in person yeah and it it's fucking like awesome we weren't even there for a majority of it but we felt just as like i and again maybe i'll speak for myself but i felt i felt so humbled to be part of that 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 
that interaction and to be part of his journey to become part of his, to get his black belt. Right. Like, you know, I've rolled with him a couple of times. He's helped coach me like all these oh, different yeah. things. Like, like I feel like again, he's like, a savage bro. It's crazy. <laughs> but like, when you think about it, every black belt, like every black belt that's out there, somebody that came into that academy and rolled with them at least once where it was a part and helped that, that yeah. black belt get there. Well, I think he, he made that point when he's accepting his black belt and, you know, we're all like speech, you know, being the jerk offs that we are, but you know, it's all in jest and fun, but he made that point that, you know, he doesn't get there without the countless amount of roles and drills and time on the mats with everybody else. Right. You can't, you can't sit there and practice jujitsu by yourself. Like you, you need an academy, you need people, you need a team around you to help spur that growth and continue that growth. And so, you know, like you said that he, he made the point to, to shout everybody out. And I, and I think that's a very humble of him, but be very, very true as a sport and in its nature that it's a team thing. Like it's an individual thing when you compete, but it's a team effort to get you to that black belt. You know, it is a team lift. It's, it's the most team reliant individual sport there is. Yeah. I used to think it was baseball, but now, now I'm for sure it, it's jujitsu. Yeah, I mean, or like, any kind of martial art, really, any any kind of one v one combat scenario. Yeah, and I think that, well, I, I I do think it's it's the the the, the combat that is, because I mean, you can practice striking, right? Like, there's a lot of things, but you you like you, you said it best. You can't practice jujitsu by yourself. No, cannot do it. I mean, sure, you can practice. You can go through motions, through rolls, right? Like you can like visualize different takedowns and do those on your own but it doesn't it doesn't do you any justice until you're practicing with somebody mm-hmm. so yeah man i mean that's i think that's a really that's a really good point and you know justin did say a good job you know just did say it well when he accepted his black belt like you know i, I think that and and again maybe I, I don't know what you know i can't imagine how i'll feel once i get there but like i think that you really do have to like you know, really say, Hey, like this black belt isn't like, it's not like, it's not me. It's an accumulation of all of us and yep. and all the things that we've done and, and uh, all the hours and the, the sweat that we've exchanged, like to get here. And I yeah, think the that's bumps, a, the bruises, the pains, the aches, the whole, the whole yeah. fucking nine, like it's just so much to it. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to put in words in a four month period, how much I've appreciated being there. I can, I, I know you appreciate being there. I can see it all over your face whenever we're there. And you know, it's just, it's hard. It's really hard to convey just how attached I am to that gym now and the sport itself. And like, God forbid we ever moved, you know, away to where I can't attend North coast. You know, I would, I would have to find another gym. Like there's no way I want to stop training jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's so much fun. There's so much to learn. There's so much camaraderie to be had. And there's so much, going into it that it's just you you are you really do feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself yeah but at the same time it's also focused on you it's a it's a really crazy juxtaposition that's that's extraordinarily fun to be a part of and you know the best part is we are four months into this discovery and there are many 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 years of discovery left to go yeah and and i think that you know unless i move out of state or somewhere that it's absolutely ridiculous like inconvenient or like unrealistic for me to make the commute to I, I won't train anywhere else and that's a big shout out to to jake to 100%. kyle to, to to justin to all those people that you know um that make it make the school what it is right and i think yeah. that every one of the higher belts you know that are brown and purples like all those guys all those cats all those girls like you know they 
they make that school what it is. And I think that like, I, I can't imagine that there's a better academy in North County and Southern California than what, you know, North coast is building. It's five years old. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, there might be some older schools that have more students that have more success, but like, I think that, you know, North coast is just getting started. And, um, you know, as North County grows, I think they're just going to continue to grow as well. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, especially I think, <clears throat> I think especially with the guys and the girls that continue to compete there and they continue to grow. Um, and I mean, like, you know, they, they've made, they've made two competitors out of us, you know, I'm, like, I don't, I don't plan on stopping competing. Like I, I just, like that competition on the 17th was a really cool, like eye opening experience to what it's like to really go full bore and not be in a drill situation or a training situation. An open mat kind of gives you some of that and like compa- competition class gives you some of that, but it's, it's always a different level when you get to the actual competition, right? You know, it's like practice football, you know, you might scrimmage, but it's not the same as when you jump into an actual Friday nights lights are on game, go- game time go. So, yeah. I, so I, I, I'm going to keep competing. I know you are. And like, I know that other people that continue to come North coast, there's such an encouraging atmosphere to compete. And I think the beautiful thing that Jake and Ray and Jess and everybody else that coaches Justin, you know, they, they all emphasize heavily on the idea that it's not about you winning. Like go to these tournaments, compete your best, do your best to win. Absolutely. It's not about the wins though. How much did you grow? How much did you learn from this experience? What did you see that you need to fix in your own jujitsu that you want to move forward with? Like they really use it as a magnifying glass and as a light shine to see what's got to be better moving forward. And I I think that's just, that's a really great approach because not everybody wants to be the greatest jujitsu player that's ever existed. Right. Not everybody's looking for that or looking for all the glory. Some people just compete to keep themselves sharp, you know, and, and I'm in that boat. Like I'm in the boat of, I compete just to keep myself sharp and keep an honest, an honest quota with myself of where I'm actually at. Cause I can roll with my guys on the mat all day long with you and everybody else, but that doesn't really tell me where I'm at unless I'm competing against people. I don't even know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know their move set. I don't know what they like to do. You know, like Jesse is a great example. I know Jesse's going to try to triangle me and not by try. I mean, he's going to, it's just a matter of when or what position it's going to happen in, but I know to look for it. I don't know what the other guy in a tournament, I don't know his, his tendencies. Mm-hmm. I don't know what submissions he likes. I don't know what positions he likes. I don't know if he likes to take down pull guard. None of those things are known to me until I get there. So like the, the, I, I enjoy that whole aspect of it. But anyways, I was a little bit of a segue slash derail. No, no, you're good. Like, <clears throat> so obviously, I mean, having competed your first competition, like mm-hmm. we both had our first competition on, yep. on the 17th there. Like, you know, you mentioned it's one of those things where you had a lot of good takeaways or you, you felt what it was like to go full board. Like what were like your key takeaways from that, that competition? Like what were some of the things that um, stood out to you and that you're going to then be able to take with you to your next tournament in March? Yeah, I had I had three real takeaways. There was three things that I really like, I think I took from that experience um, that's going to help me be a better jiu-jitsu player moving forward. Because uh, in full transparency, I lost both my matches and I was submitted both times. Um, but it was funny. I, I by the end of the tournament, I was not upset. I wasn't pissed. I wasn't mad. I was just like, cool. Now I know I got to learn. What I got to do. And so back to the lab. Back to the lab and keep working. So the first thing, the first takeaway I had was trust what I know trust my jujitsu like jake teaches us good stuff teaches high quality things and maybe i don't remember all of it in the exact moment to remember it but just continue to move and continue to trust that my body knows what to do and let my body react right because i i definitely got caught in that first match thinking 
and be like, oh, should I do this? Oh, I don't know if I should. And then that's ultimately what led to me getting beaten was because I was I was too. Uh, what's the phrase you use? Uh, paralysis by analysis. Is that paralysis the phrase by used? analysis. So uh, that was definitely the situation. I kept trying to overthink about what I should do and da 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 da, and I didn't let I didn't let my body go free. And you know, even back to my sports days, playing basketball or football, like you play your best when you're not really thinking about it. When you're just allowing yourself to react to the environment, react to what you see, that's when you do your best work. And so that was takeaway number one. Uh, takeaway number two was patience just patience get into a dominant position take your time work your position really dominate it really dominate the situation impose your will on that person make them get out of your your dominant position because i i i gave up a dominant position too early because i rushed too many things Mm -hmm. and it was was like a, a sequence of like five or six things that i did that were all rushed and had i not rushed and just relaxed and stayed in, stayed in the dominant position I was in, could have very easily worked into the game I wanted to, and it's the game I like. It's the game either on either pressuring someone on top or getting to their back, and I, I've, I've gotten relatively good at like faking certain chokes to get the choke I actually want. So it's like it was a situation where I needed to be more patient, and I wasn't. And so like patience, trust my jiu-jitsu, and then um, – my third, my third takeaway was attempt more submissions in training. So a lot of times in that first three and a half months, I was really content to get to a position and then I didn't really try to work any submissions. Oh, I don't want to lose this position. I don't want to, I don't want to lose mount. I don't want to lose side control. Who gives a fuck, Daniel? <laughs> like you're in training. This is the whole idea. The whole idea is to sure you, you've got this guy's arm pinned down. You're going to go for a triangle. You might whiff and they might stack you. They might roll you over. They might do whatever, whatever. Go fuck yourself and try it. Like, yeah. Just give it a shot. You, you're never going to learn it. You're never going to get good at it. You're never going to be experienced with it until you do it enough times. Because had I done that in the first three months, chances are, even with rushing and even with being a little impatient, I probably still would have submitted the guy I went against. Like that, that still would have happened. Like I had two really good opportunities that I just whiffed on. And it's because I didn't have enough experience in training doing those things. Mm. And so... Those are my three big takeaways. Those are the big three things. Um, trust myself, be patient, and then attempt more attempt more things in training because it's training for a reason. Okay. What do you feel you were most surprised about, right? So, like, I think that you – I mean, we talked a little bit about, like, you know, our expectations or, like, what we mm-hmm. think or what we're expecting going into it. But what do you feel, like, you were most surprised or, like, wasn't something that you were anticipating based on, like, you know, your preconceived idea of what you were about to get into? Um <clears> – <throat> Nothing like nothing happened that shocked me or surprised me in terms of like the interactions I had with the other fighters or the other other combatants, whatever. Nothing, nothing, nothing like was overly surprising. Other than like, and this is more of I guess a positive spin, and by no means am I trying to brag or like hype myself up here, but like I was stronger than I thought I was. Hmm. Like people at our gym tell us that I'm strong all the time. I do not buy into it for like three seconds. Like I, 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 I've never been a strong guy. So like hearing that from other people is a really weird thing for me to hear. So the fact that in my second match, I was able to snap somebody down as easily as I was. And then like bully him down to the ground. It wasn't even like a, a real takedown. It was just, I literally yanked his collar in the back of his head until his face was in the mat. And it was like, he was bigger than me for sure. Like probably weighed me by five to 10 pounds somewhere in that ballpark. And I just manhandled him at first. So it was like, 
that moment of like, okay, maybe, maybe there is something to me being actually a strong person. Like maybe I do have some strength and that's something that I can that ginger strength. I guess so. But it's something that I can incorporate moving forward in the right facets. So like that was probably the biggest like surprise. I think the the weird thing though was maybe like the bullpen. That was a little weird. Literally like standing like sandwiched in between everybody you're going to compete with. I'm like, huh. Like, you know, I know we're all going to get on the match. I have my headphones change. on. Yeah. I was like, fuck these people. <laughs> I don't know you. I don't like you. I don't like your mama. I don't like your sister. I don't like your, unless your sister's hot, but I don't like nobody. Um, so, like, that was that was really the only like surprise. I didn't expect the bullpen to be like that. But, you know, now that I know what it is, it's not going to be weird the next time. It's just going to be it is what it is. I don't like that headphones in that close to competing. I'll be honest with you. I'm really weird about like music and when I listen Dude, to it. Dude, I want to be. Comps. I want to be. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, I'm ready. Okay, take my headphones off. Get in square up. So um, yeah. I'm gonna reflect this question back at you because I think Real it's a original. great question. Um, what were your three takeaways? What did you take away from this first competition? Takeaway number one. Rule number one. Rule cardio. Number one. <laughs> um, cardio, and it's funny because. I would say typically that I'm in a pretty good cardio shape. Now, again, not not to um, you know use this as like a a crutch by any means, but I did have the flu the week before, right? So yeah. like I had zero training the week leading up to the competition. It was very light training, um, you know, and I had anticipated like you know working in like some gym sessions for cardio and things like that, and I didn't get to do any of those things. Um, so that was tough, right? I think that. You know, and, and until, I mean, I'm very lucky that I had the conversation with Charles when I did, because I thought, you know, I, I, for some reason, the only other tournaments I've ever been in, right. Have been like basketball tournaments, baseball tournaments, things like that, where you play a game or a match. Right. And then you have like a few hours in between and then you play another one. Right. Um, for some reason in my mind, that's how I thought it was going to be. Um, and you know, it wasn't right. Cause you, you know, you go in like essentially these heats, and so, like, if you're a nine o'clock, you know, heat, and you're on mat eight, you and everybody in your brackets on mat eight, mm-hmm. um, starts at nine, and then the first match of your bracket goes five minute rounds. Winners decided. Next one goes. Next match goes, and <laughs> it's 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 just like that, right? And I think that um, even in a double elimination, like, they still for the most part do, like, winners bracket and then losers bracket, and mm-hmm. it's like. So what I found was, is, um, I, I, I had never, it wasn't something I was anticipating. And then once I luckily had that conversation with Charles, I, I was a little bit more mentally prepared, but even then, like I wasn't physically prepared. And I think that, you know, regardless of how good a shape that you think you're in or how hard you think you train, um, you know, it is a different gear that you're in when you're, or in your competition, right? Like, like you're, you're competing at a much, you know, higher capacity, higher output, um, than you would train, even if you're training your ass off. Right. So yeah. I think that like, you know, it's hard for you to train at the same intensity that you'll compete. So you'll have to necessarily, you won't necessarily be able to get to that, that intensity while you, while you practice or you yeah. train, but I think you have to increase your volume while you practice in your train. So then that way you could, your, your volume like capacity can then take in that intensity capacity when you get there. Yeah. You may not be able to like, you know, again, like you're, you're increasing your volume so you can train longer, which will in turn help you train harder for shorter. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like my first big takeaway was like, Hey man, like you need to be well prepared, well in, in, in great cardio shape, um, you know, heading into that tournament. Um, I think that was the first thing I think that, you know, 
Um, my first two matches, my first match was, was pretty, it went, it went pretty easy. It was still tiring. Like it was still, you know, obviously it's a physical match, but, um, it was a pretty dominating match. I, I felt that I really handled my opponent. I kind of had my will and was able to do what I wanted. The second match really took it out of me, right? Like it was a, it was a war. Like we, you know, we went to full time and it, and it was down to like the last minute and a half that I was able to, you know, get a takedown and then get side control and actually, you know, ultimately be able to win. Bro, you points. didn't get that side control until 36 seconds left in the match. That's what I'm saying. Like, right? so was, like that last minute and a half, crazy. it was like, again, it was a very, uh, very close match. I think that um, it's just one of those things where, again, that, you know, my grip was completely fried at that point. So after that match was over, I went and like, I, again, I, I've been involved in sports my whole life, football, basketball, ran track, like, you know, during full on like fucking conditioning for football or whatever. I've never felt like I was going to vomit. Ever. Yeah. Never in my athletic career. Yeah. After round two of that tournament on the seventeenth, I felt like I was like real close to vomiting. Yeah. So not only was I nauseous and like that tired and exhausted, but my forearms were, were again they were burnt. They were toast. Like I couldn't even barely hold my water bottle. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and I had a headache. Like everything was just like my body was like on full like emergency like <laughs> radar like. All levels are low. Yeah. Please, please restart engine. All levels are low. Mayday, mayday, alert. And I'm like, dude. And then I, I actually made friends with a guy that was like, um, he was like, he wasn't the person that was, he wasn't the ref and he wasn't the person that was like handling the computer and the scoring, but he was the person that was kind of like, you know, organizing people and yeah, telling yeah. who's up and next. So um, he was like, you ready? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, good. You're up. And so my third match really was actually the finals and I didn't mm-hmm. know it was the finals. And I'm not saying that that would have changed anything. I was so toast and fried, but that third match mentally, I wasn't as prepared for it to be my last match. And yeah. I was tired and I was lazy and I ultimately got caught in something I've never been caught in before and ended up getting submitted. But so again, I think really um, the first, the first takeaway was cardio. And I think, you know, earlier I was uh, kind of talking shit about the bullpen, right? I was like, I don't care about these people, but one of the things, and we, we talked about it earlier about, you know, jujitsu is how, how, how really it does breed a lot of camaraderie, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. That guy choked me out. I lost in the finals and I was like, I was able to talk to him and say, Hey, like, what was that? He's like, yeah. he's like, Oh, it was this. And I was like, Hey, can you show me? Yeah. And we got down real quick right there and he just showed me. Yeah. And I was able to kind of see what it was. And I was able to like really think about the move that I made that made the submission worse. Had I spun out like so that was really cool right i don't think there's very many other sports that you can actually do that mm-hmm. um so again takeaway number one cardio number two um i think really is man um see this is the difference when you win a bunch of matches versus you lose two you think you take away a lot more you lose no, I, I think that like ultimately <laughs> I'm, just, um, I'm just talking shit that's all i'm doing <laughs> i think working on my stand-up um and throws and working on takedowns i think is my, my takedown defense i'm pretty confident in right like but my bit like takedowns and like finding my 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 holes and my, my shots and my gaps and i think also again like stemming off the cardio thing i think that's a little bit easier when you're not tired versus when you are so you know working that aspect of my game both when i'm tired and when i'm not so i can you know identify areas and holes and gaps to shoot and get some good takedowns um i think that's important um yeah and and then i think takeaway number three really is that like most of the things that you do in your academy when you're drilling or when you're rolling you don't really do in the tournament and what i mean is is like 
again, at least in my experience, like so far, like my, my, my few <laughs> matches is, you know, in, in training and in the academy and in the school, like I'm very comfortable in guard. Like I like to be in guard. I like to be on my back. I like to, you know, work. And I never found myself in that position. Yeah. Um, and that's because like, it's like you're starting on your feet and then you're fighting for position. You're fighting for a takedown. And if you get out of bounds, like you find yourself like getting either stood back up or, you know, you don't, you don't really want to be on bottom in the competition because you want to get the takedown. You want to get those points and you want to establish control. Right. So I think, um, working on my offense from side control, from top, from mounts, um, and getting more comfortable in that position. Cause I, again, I didn't find myself there very in, in guard very often. Um, it felt like everything moved much faster and there wasn't an opportunity to really like establish your guard and like get control and go from there. Yeah. Well, I think too, like it comes down to like situational things, right? Like I'm sure this tournament was like that, but there could be a tournament where you end up in someone's guard or they're in your guard every single match, you know, like I I think that's, that's the kind of the cool thing about jujitsu is that it shuffles a lot. You know, there's a lot of, there's, there's so many micro positions you can end up in that, you know, you have to know what to do and you have to be smart enough to figure out where you're at and what you're doing. So I think as you progress in belts too, that changes a lot, right? I I think with black, for instance, white belts, it's a lot of like very burst sets of movement, right? It's like a very like, like, you know, the first time you start jacking off a lot and you're like, I'm just fucking, ah, and you're just trying to finish, right? Like you're just trying to fucking go to finish. I think that's like what most white belts are doing. Right. It's like, or like the first time that you ever sleep with somebody, like your stamina is very low and you're yeah. just like so excited. You see somebody naked and you're almost coming in your pants. Right. Like, like those are like what are like most, what most white belts are doing. I, you know, is, is the best analogy that I can think of. Cause it's like, they're just so quick to blow their load. Yeah. Right. And I think that as you progress through the belts, you become more strategic. You become a little bit more experienced. You understand the foreplay game. <laughs> you understand where your strengths are. You understand how to get into your strengths. You understand that how was, to play to your strengths. That's like the one thing I would say I did well is I actually managed my energy really well. Yeah. Like even in the impatience, it wasn't like I was like, <sighs> like freaking out. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like trying to rush putting getting into the right spots. And I still think, again, that comes with like as you progress through your belts, like those things yeah. don't happen. Right. And I think that also whether or not like your ability to control your energy was there. I think that typically your opponents, it's different again. Like yeah. they're not right. And yes. they, there's always that yin and yang. And I think that you're always, again, at least from my very little experience, I, I think that that's the difference between like, as you progress through belts, like I think that, you know, so from the other matches that I watched, whether that be a blue belt, purple belt or brown belt, or I, I didn't watch very many brown belts, but, like blue belt, purple belt and a black belt. It's like, you're really in like guard you're really in like more strategic play like it's like you're playing chess right yeah whereas like white belts it really is more like a like it's an athleticism thing it's like a, how quick can i get to the position how i, I want to get a takedown i want to establish side control but like yeah. there isn't as much strategy to like my takedowns or like me getting side control like so I, I think there's just less time spent in like guard where the chess actually takes place yeah absolutely no i, I think i think there's a hundred percent truth to that you know it was it was funny though like there that's that's kind of like the the consensus too that I saw from the white belts to the higher belts is that in white belts it was just like a lot of things happening nothing happening a lot of things happening nothing happening mm-hmm. whereas like blue belt even even just blue belt like things were always happening yeah. whether it was little tiny things or like little adjustments little movements like things were always going down whereas like in white belt it was just like explosion nothing like just kind of like sitting there holding each other. Yeah. Explode. Like bunch of movement scramble. Nothing. Cause it's like where, like where this, it's like, cause it's like where the technique versus 
the action. Right. Yeah. So like where those two things, cause at the end of the day, like you, you have action to mm-hmm. get to a dominant position or a position yeah. to then utilize technique to establish, you know, an offensive move. Correct. White belts lack technique. And yeah. Offensive <laughs> moves. True. <laughs> um, so looking at the tournament as a whole, looking at everything that happened and you know, what went down, what would you say was like your top moment? What was like, what was like the coolest moment of the tournament for you? Dude, it just went by so fast. Um, and again, like I was so, it's really, it's really hard. Right. Because I think like, I can sit here and say, yeah, like it's great. Like I got second place. Like I'm very, I feel very grateful for that. I do think that there's a tad bit of luck that was involved with that. Right. I think that, you know, that second match really could have went either way. Yeah. Right. I don't think that I won technique wise. I don't think that I outhearted the guy. I just think that the dice rolled in my favor that match. Um, I would disagree, but you, and again, anybody yeah. could disagree, but I, I, <laughs> knowing where I was and how I was mentally, where I was physically, again, yeah. I, I just think the dice rolled in my favor and not, and it's not because I lacked the skill or I, I lacked athleticism. It just so happened. Like it very easily could have rolled the other way. Like I could have easily got caught in an arm bar. I got very lucky. I didn't get caught in an arm bar. I should have, he had me in an arm bar that match. Yeah. That I just got, I got very lucky. It just slipped out. Um, like there's just like, again, like I, I'm, I'm humbled. I, yeah. I'm stoked. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I feel really good about it, but I do think that, um, with that, I, it's hard because I was so tired. I was so exhausted and, um, it went by so fast that it's really hard to kind of pick out the moment. I, I look, I think that for me, like my first match, like I, I, I dominated the guy, but I think that the part that was like the most, like what was, what was the word you asked for? Like what was the most paralysis by analysis? No, no. no. Well, you uh, asked me like out of the whole tournament, what was the moment that was the most, what was like your, like the, the best most, moment or like but, the most memorable, okay. like however so, you want to word that. It's funny because the most memorable moment was something I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And so in my first match, again, I was, you know, physically dominating this guy. I ended up scoring, I think it was like 14 points, but yeah. I ended up submitting him. And what happened was I, I remember getting to side control and he had his leg up, so I couldn't go to mount. So I remember going, like, I remember move, like maneuvering north-south and getting to the other side, getting to mount. Yeah. And then when I was in mount, I was attacking a Kimura, and I couldn't get him to tap on the Kimura, and I, 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 like I um, moved out of mount to side control opposite of the Kimura. And I don't know, and then this is where, like, from this point, it's like, it's funny, I've been trying to replay this moment in my head, and I couldn't, I watched the videos, and I couldn't see what I did. But I, I knew that I wasn't going to get the Kimura, so I reactively just adjusted and was able to adjust by not losing my control of the Kimura, but I was able to work in a choke. And mm-hmm. I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what grips I changed or anything, but I was able to get a choke, and that's how I submitted him. Yeah. And so I guess what I mean is, is like in that moment, it was something that I didn't really consciously think about doing. I just did based yeah. on whatever I saw or whatever I felt, yeah. and it worked. And I think that goes to show that like the training, if you trust the process, if you do the things like you'll find yourself being able to do things like, again, we always find ourselves upset about the things we can't remember. Or if we try to force ourselves to remember all the things that happened about something, whether that was in school or whatever, we're like, man, how can I not, how can I not force myself to remember this? But then when you get put into the situation in front of the test or you get put into battle, all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, I remember that. And it's like, one of those things where like sometimes you're not actively able to go back into the filing cabinet and find it and pull it out and say, here's the manila mm-hmm. envelope, but you, it's back there. Yeah. And when your back's against the wall and the brain works, you just, you just find yourself like, Oh shit. Like I do know this stuff. Yeah. 
Um, so I think that was probably probably the mo- the moment for me. Yeah. What about for one. you? I think I know yours. Oh yeah. There, there's, there's a very distinct one that I thought was just it, it's it's more funny than anything else because of the situation in which it occurred. Uh, it was when I was attempted I, I, I attempted the triangle and he postured his way out of it and kind of wiggled his shoulders into a position where I really couldn't get a triangle anymore. So I'm still trying to control the head. I'm trying to, I'm fighting his other arm, trying to keep him from really like getting out of it and getting into my guard. I was trying to keep that dominant, like almost like that head scissor position, trying to either rework the triangle or find something to do. And I hear Ryan in our corner, my corner goes, Oma Plata. And I, in my head, I'm like, God, I've attempted this like f- three times in training. So I guess, and then like, I look at him and I go this one. And I literally, and I literally poke the guy's shoulder. Like I literally poke his shoulder. And I go this one. And he goes, Yes. <laughs> and so I immediately switched the hips over through, you know, through the leg over trying for the omoplata. And after talking to Ryan, he's like, no, the attempt was great. He's like, that was a, that was a, like the right time to do an omoplata. He's like, you just got to get the hip next time. And I was like, so literally have I, had I collected the hip on the way over would have submitted them and I would have finished the match. And like, so that was, that was my favorite moment though. Cause it was more of a, just like, like looking back at it, I was in such a dominant position that I literally had the time to look at my coach and go this one. And then, you know, Sick. with the submission, which that's just, it's funny. It's fucking hilarious. And, and I was talking to Ryan about it today and he's like, that's a core memory. He's like, that'll be a core memory forever. You going this one. <laughs> so core memory. so that, that was fun. And then as a second parter, just all, all the people from our, our Academy being there. Yeah, dude, that, we had like twenty people competing. That right? was that was that was so like just fucking cool on on such a great level to see everybody and talk to everybody and like, um, it was really funny. Like after after the tournament was over, I, I made my post about it on Instagram because you know if you did Instagram, did you really do it? Yeah, hold um, me accountable. I get it. Yeah, right. And so Jake commented and said, "Nothing but proud of you," and I almost cried. I was at my I was at my at the dinner table with Rihanna eating, and I about cried. And it was just, it meant so much to me that losing both matches, not particularly performing great in both of them, that that our coach was like, it doesn't even matter. You went out there, you did the damn thing, and you you gave it an earnest effort. Like, you know, good job, I'm proud of you. And it, and it didn't feel disingenuine. Mm-hmm. So, like, that just meant a lot to have that kind of support from our team. And not just from Jake, but from Jess, from Ryan, from everyone that competed that was in our corner asking us, how'd you do what happened? Like, you know, what did you learn? Like there was just such a support system in place tournament post tournament that like, it's really indescribable how cool that was. Yeah. Like that was awesome. Dude, it's really cool. Like, I mean, our, our academy got six out of like what? 370 academies or something. That yeah, right, this was, tournament? We, we ranked sixth um, overall. And then in the elite eight, which the elite eight, they, the East gym picks eight people. Um, and they, 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 they all compete against other people's elite eights. And we ended up second. Yeah, you know, so for a tiny academy in five years old, North County, five years old, like we're crushing it. Jim's doing a great job. Cool. I think that was a good episode. I mean, a lot of content here, mm-hmm. a lot of um, bullshit in the beginning, but you know, what, what's new? What do you expect from us at this yeah. point? Um, awesome. Well, everybody, thank you for hanging on, uh, hanging out with us, hanging on uh, for dear life. This is uh, this is another episode in the books. It's another great episode, Chris. Blessed to be doing this with you. Blessed to be doing jiu-jitsu with you. You're a oh, great friend, buddy. Oh, knock it off. You're going to make Never. me go cry. Um, all right, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this has been great. Uh, my name is Chris. And I'm Daniel. And we'll see you guys next week. do 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 do